0: Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. And We're going to get Jesus in view, and because what we have in view is going to be what we do, right? Change your view, and it will change you. And some of you know this, I've talked about this before, but Growing up, my job in high school was at Family Christian Bookstore. And not only did I work at Family Christian Bookstore, I worked there with my two best friends and my best friend's girlfriend. And he's now married to this girl, and they're amazing people. They live in Houston. But we did everything together, man. We were like a a little motley crew. I mean, it was absolutely hysterical. What we, we, and we should have been fired a million times from Family Christian Bookstore. Now, Neil and I were closing one night, and so we had a thought, let's do something we're not supposed to do, which is order a pizza to the store. So we called Pizza Hut. We were like, hey, give us a medium pizza. And they said, hey, we've got a special going on. If you buy a large pizza, then you get a free liter of soda. We're 17 years old. It does not get much better than that. So we said, Upgrade us, man. It's on. And so now we have this large pizza. And as we're waiting for it to get there, we begin to discuss the fact that we're closing together again tomorrow night. So this works out great. We're going to have pizza and soda tonight and pizza and soda tomorrow night. This is a win win. And so our pizza gets there. We have a great time. We both go to the back. We leave no one at the front of the store. The bell rings. We peek our head out. We're like, oh, they're good. We just keep eating. This really happened. And so we finished. We put all the leftovers into the little mini fridge that they had for the employees to keep their stuff there. We put our soda in there. We put our leftover pizza in there. And then we show up the next day. We start working or really not working. We start sitting and getting paid to sit. And looking at all the books that needed to be put away, I still don't know how those books are supposed to go. And never once did my job. It's amazing. Three and a half years, I feel bad about it. Not really, okay? They should have fired me, okay? It's really their fault. So I take my dinner break. So I go to the back, get a couple pizzas of pizza, throw it in the microwave, getting fired up, find the biggest cup that I can in the back, fill it up with the soda, start diving into my little pepperoni and hamburger, living that 17-year-old dream life and I'll get thirsty grab that big giant cup of soda and take a huge swig to find out that it was not soda when I tip that cup back it was cold coffee now that's trendy now and we've acquired the taste and so some of you are like oh man upgrade but when you're 17 years old and you think you're going to get Dr. Pepper, and you get cold Folgers coffee, you are not blessed. The best part about it is Neil and I are in denial that it's coffee. So I'm like, Neil, come here, taste this, bro. Does this taste weird to you? He tastes, he's like, yeah, it tastes funny. Then I taste it again. He goes, yeah, it tastes kind of strange, you know. And then his girlfriend and our other friend, Phil, show up laughing hysterically, asking about dinner. Because they had poured out the soda, had her mom make a pot of coffee, poured it into the bottle because they wanted to start a prank war. All right. And so they got us. But have no fear. We got them. I cannot confirm nor deny that potentially. My buddy Phil's truck was filled to the brim with human hair from a beauty salon. And then wetted with urine. Can't confirm it nor deny it. Needless to say, we won. So if you're thinking about pranking me, think again. I have no boundaries. I'll pee in your truck. So the truth was... Some of y'all are like, I can't believe he's our pastor. And I'm like, yeah, that's the dang skip, boy. Human hair is amazing. He called us. You want to know what he said? This is even part of the story, but y'all want to know what he said when he called us? He's like, y'all are from the Amazon. We were like, dude, what does that even mean? Oh, so good. He's still mad about that. But have you ever walked into a situation and you didn't know you were in a fight until you got hit? I didn't know I was in a prank war until I took a drink of the coffee. I just thought it was a normal night. I thought I was just about to have some soda and pizza. And then within one thing, I realized I was in a fight. Have you ever walked into a situation or have you ever had a moment in your life you didn't know? that you were in a fight until after you got hit? You didn't know that you were in a fight with your spouse until you sat down? Does that happen just me? I know some of you guys don't fight with your spouses, which is crazy to me, because we throw down. <laughs> and, like, there's times where I'm, I sit down, how you doing? It's so like, I'm good. <laughs> so I think she's good. Good and that does not mean good. You ever been in a fight you didn't know you were in? I think sometimes when we think about the game of our mind or the fight of our mind, oftentimes we are surprised that we're in a fight. Have you ever just been cruising through life and you get hit with a thought? And that thought tempts you to not be renewed, But to conform. Have you ever been trying to do the right thing. Pointing the right way. Give yourself all the right friends. And you still get hit with a thought. That tempts you. To leave everything. To throw away all the boundaries. To to throw down all the things you've been pursuing. And just to conform to the patterns of this world. Have you ever been hit. And you didn't even know you were in a fight. And I I think that for us it's important that we realize that this idea of being transformed by the renewing of our mind is a fight. Because if you look up another word for transformation, do you know what you're going to find? Revolution. Another word for transformation is revolution. There are no peaceful revolutions. There is no revolution without a fight in the natural or in the spiritual. If you want to be transformed, it's going to be a fight. And I've found that in my life, the moments of my life when I get hit the hardest are the moments where I've lowered my gloves. I forgot that I was in a fight. And so I lower my gloves and I get ambushed. And that ambush comes in my mind. If we want to be transformed, we have to understand that we're in a fight. David in 2 Samuel chapter 11 shows us the implications of forgetting that you're in a fight. For those of you who grew up in church did the Sunday school thing. You might know this story. This is the story of David and Bathsheba. If you didn't grow up in church and you have no idea who David is or who Bathsheba is, you're going to get the drift of this situation very quickly as we start in verse 1. It says, In the spring, at the time when the kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's man and the whole Israel army. And they destroyed the Amenianites and besieged Rabah. I don't know how you say that, but that's how I'm going to say it. But David remained. Everybody underlined remained if you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can have a free one. We have them for you, thanks to Emily Weibel. David remained in Jerusalem. Here comes the ambush. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. When the kings went off to war, David remained in Jerusalem. And David. Because David forgot he was in a fight, because he remained in Jerusalem, he got ambushed. And that ambush led him down a path of not just having an affair with Bathsheba, but then trying to cover up that affair by having her husband murdered. A thought, an ambush, because he forgot he was in a fight. Here's what I believe God wants us to pull from this scripture. God wants us to see that David's best defense was a strong offense. David's best defense was a strong offense. David, if he would have not remained in Jerusalem, if he would have went off to war, if he would have done what the king was supposed to do, we would not have 2 Samuel chapter 11. But because he forgot he was in a fight, he lowered his gloves, thought he was good, thought he could handle it, thought he was above it, he got ambushed. And that ambush led to decisions. That temptation led to actions that devastated him and his family. David's best defense was a strong offense. And so when we think about this idea of trying to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and not to conform to the patterns Of this world. And we understand that we have to remember that we're in a fight. That this transformation is a revolution. We're looking for a 180 degree shift inside of us. We don't want to be. We don't want to conform to what we were. We want to press on to what we're called to be. That revolution. That fight. What's our weapon? What is our strategy to actively, passionately fight, to not lower our gloves. I want to pull that weapon out of Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Set your mind on things above set it put it actively engage on things above so check this out if our view is what's in front of us if our view is what's in front of us what we consume our mindset is defined as a set of assumptions or methods held by a person that is to establish a powerful incentive within them to continue to adopt or accept prior behaviors, choices, or tools. Your mindset is a set of assumptions or methods held by a person that is so established that it creates a powerful incentive within them to continue to adopt or accept prior behaviors, choices, or tools. So you could say this. Our mindset will change what we do. Our mindset will change what we do. So if you change your view, it'll change you. If you change your mindset, it'll change what you do. Your mindset will change what you do. Isn't it amazing how we gravitate what we set our mind on? I remember, man, growing up, my my grandfather, we called him Pawpaw. Paul, they lived in this house, and it was on the corner of a humongous field, and we had a blast in that field, man. We did all kinds of stuff, and Paul was the kind of dude that would turn broken things into cool things, and so he took a broken-down lawnmower, took the blades off the bottom of it, souped it up, and made it into, like, a lawnmower go-kart. So dangerous, man, like, so dangerous, And so he took me, my brother, and our cousin Caleb out to the field and said, y'all can drive around. We're talking about acres of grass. Y'all can drive around all of this field, have a blast, but pay attention because there's one three-inch pole. One. And acres of grass, one three-inch pole. Stay away from what? The three-inch pole. So me and Jay get on that thing. We're you know, doing crazy stuff, driving around crazy. Then my cousin Caleb comes, okay? I love Caleb. Caleb was a good kid. Caleb was a crazy kid. Caleb drives around in that thing, and guess what happens about two minutes after he sat down in the lawnmower? T-bones that three-inch pole. Because he knew he had the whole grass, but he also remembered what Papa said, don't hit the pole. So guess what he was looking at the whole time? the pole. Bam! Isn't it amazing how we gravitate towards what we put our mind on? Our mindset is going to shape what we do. Change your view, it's going to change you. Change your mindset, it's going to change what you do. But the fight isn't simply to set our minds on Jesus and his kingdom. And not the patterns of this world. Because, let me explain that a little bit. Because our, as our passage puts it, earthly nature is defined by sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. But those are obvious. They're not easy fights. But if you get hit with the lustful thought, it almost wakes you up that you're in a fight. Right? Has this happened to anybody else? When one of these things that are obviously principles of the world, patterns of the world, it's easy to identify that we are being tempted by a kingdom that we don't belong to. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win the fight. You might surrender to that temptation and we need to ask Jesus to forgive us, but you're aware of the fact that you're in a fight. My mind has drifted. When that thought hits you, it's almost a reminder, I need to get God in view. My mind has drifted. I need to get God in view. But I have found the area of my heart that I often forget to remember that I'm in a fight, that I'm in a revolution, is defined in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. If we're in Christ, we're a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. This is the real battle of our mind to remember that we're new. Are you tracking with me? When you get tempted with the thought of the shame of your past, we often wear that because we feel ashamed of our past. Rarely do we wake up to the fact that that's a a hit. Our gloves are down. We don't carry that the same way. Lust hits you, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to take that thought captive. and Get away from me. Shame hits you because of something that you did. You're like, man, I did do that. I did do that. And, and we begin to forget that in the middle of our shame, there's a cross. The old is gone. And the new has come but we're tempted to surrender the fight and just wear the weight of our sin and failure, wear the, the, the reality that, that we've hurt those around us, rehearsing conversations that we can't believe that we had. And, and this is where I think dads get it. Man, I mean, my oldest kid is only 10 years old. And it, man within the- hello within those 10 years there's already moments conversations decisions attitudes atmosphere that I've created that I'm ashamed of I hate it and I see the repercussions of it and I wear that like a blanket, like a jacket. And yeah, man, I'm in a fight, man. I'm going to get a pure mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a mind full of faith. I'm going to have a mind full of hope. I'm going to expect that God's going to do big things. But yeah, man, but gosh, I can't believe I responded like that. And so you almost have like this duality, right? Where it's like you know you're in a fight here, but you forget that this is a fight here. And we lower our gloves and we just surrender to it. We surrender to the shame. And oftentimes that surrendering to the shame kind of manifests itself as anger, doesn't it? You're so angry at yourself. It's easier to yell at somebody else than to look in the mirror and yell at yourself. Set your mind on things above. You change your view, it's going to change you. Change your mindset, it's going to change what you do. So how do we fight this fight of remembering that the old is gone and the new has come? I really think it's simple. I think we just have to go back to last week and get Jesus in view in the fight. When you feel like you get hit with shame, when you feel like you get hit with guilt. When you're weary from the race, get Jesus in view. In our weakness, he is made strong. You're feeling beat up. In your weakness, he's made strong. You're feeling overrun. In your weakness, he's made strong. You feel like you can't climb the mountain of shame or guilt. In your weakness, he is made Strong. We need to get God in view in the fight. In the fight, we need to get God in view. Set your mind actively, not passively, actively remind yourself that he is what we need in the fight. Shame comes. No, 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 no. The old is gone. The new has Come, my past is not going to shape my future. That's not who I am anymore. The old is gone. I can't find it anymore. So if I get reminded of the old, that's the enemy throwing a thought at me, and I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. So I just say, no, 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 that thought is not for me. I'm being transformed. I'm in a revolution. I'm in a fight. And we get Jesus in view in the fight. You know, in college, I had the stupid idea of doing a triathlon. It was dumb. Those of you who do triathlons, more power to you. But I had this idea. I don't know why I had the idea. And by myself, I decide I'm going to do a triathlon. Actually, it's not true. You know, it was the classic college deal, a bunch of dudes sitting around. Let's do a triathlon. We all start training, you know. And then it's time to register, and they're all like, I haven't really been training. So then I end up having to do it by myself. Does that happen to anybody else, just me? You ever be like, we're going to run a marathon together, and then, no, you're running it by yourself. And so that's what happened to me. I get this idea. I want to do a triathlon. So I start training. I don't know what I'm doing. I barely even know how to ride a bike. I'm borrowing stuff, swimming at the pool. I don't know what to do. You know, read a couple things online, do this, do this, do this, whatever. But one thing that I did know is that I wanted to do it in Houston, Texas because I love muggy concrete. No, it's because that's where my dad is. My dad's actually here this morning. So my parents live in Houston. So I didn't know anything, but I knew that thing, that this race was going to happen in Houston, Texas, because I wanted my dad to be there. And so I registered for this thing. We get it going. I'm training. I go down that weekend. We get all set up, show up that morning, get all set. It's pouring down rain, you know course, like worst conditions ever, you know, they blow the whistle, and it's chaos, you know, have you ever done a triathlon, it's like the WWE in the swim, people kicking you, pushing you underwater, removing your bathing suit, taking your goggles off, I mean, it's crazy, man, anything goes, anything goes in the water of a triathlon, they say there's all these rules, you got to be this far away from the other competitors yeah right but here's what's crazy every time i went to take a breath i could hear my dad it was nuts i was so weird that i remember thinking in the water how can i hear my dad every breath go jay (laughs) nobody can beat you in the mind jay You got this Jay! Every breath, and I'm like, how can I still hear this dude? And I and and I get out of the pool and I run to the, the little transition station. And who's on the little barrier? My dad. Go Jay! Put your push this bike down. Kick that guy in the face. And he's like holler and so you know you take off on the bike and the bike's like solitude, you know. The bike is not cool. You go ride forever by yourself. And you get penalized if you're close to another person. So you're just like by yourself suffering. It's terrible. And so I'm on the bike and I can just begin to familiarize myself with how bad my body's beginning to hurt. And so I'm cruising, you know, and it's like, you come to that last mile, and I'm like, all right, I'm almost there. And we we cruise around the corner. Guess who's on the corner? My dad. Come on, Jay! Don't give up, Jay! You got this, Jay! And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I can ride, you know, get out of the saddle. I'm sprinting. The wheels are flexing. I'm coming in hot to the transition. They have to be like, whoa, 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 because I'm about to knock people over. And then I take off on the run. Run's where the pain really gets real. Everything is hurting. Legs are burning. Cramps everywhere. Stopped running. Started shuffling. You know what I'm saying? When you make that transition. You ever done that? You like running, then all of a sudden it kind of turns into the the washing machine. You know, you just kind of, I think I'm running. I see people doing this in my neighborhood. I'm like, well, it's, it's been a while since they've been on the shoes. You know what I mean? It's been a while. They're struggling. They're not even sweaty, and they're like, oh, man. Hit the shuffle. The shuffle had got me, man. I'm shuffling. The pain was intense, and all of a sudden, I did not want to finish the race. The fight hurt so bad, I am thinking, just walk a little bit. Actually, just stop. Why are you doing this? You're not going to win any money. You're no good at it. There's no future for you in it. Why are you here? You're like, that's a great question. I do not know why I'm here. And I mean, I'm telling you, I am in so much pain. And I come to that last quarter mile. And I see my dad. And he starts running with me. He said, like, Dad, it hurts. And he's like, don't you quit. You got it. I'm like, Dad, it hurt. Man, I can't even feel my legs. And he's like, don't quit. Don't stop. Just keep shuffling. Just keep moving. You got this. And you know what happened? It's like I got energy back. I got air in my lungs to finish the fight because I saw my dad and he reminded me of my mindset my mind had set itself on quitting he said that's not who you are the old is gone the new has come I think sometimes we give up on the race because we just got our father out of you we just got to get him back in view, in the fight, and hear him tell us. You're going to make it, dude. You're going to make it. You don't have to conform to the patterns of this world. You don't have to surrender to the temptation. You don't have to give up on the hope. You're going to make it. I know it hurts. Just keep moving your feet. I know it. I know you're cramping up. I know you can't feel it. Just keep going. You will finish. You know what I ended up sprinting that last quarter mile, and I wasn't thinking about what I was thinking. You know, the only thing I was thinking, just rehearsing what my dad had said. I could hear him, I could hear him. Don't quit, don't quit, and a temptation would come. I'll oh, just slow down. And I would hear him, don't quit. Set your mind on things above. You change your mi- mindset, it's going to change what you do. It's going to change what you can do. It's going to change what you can believe. You change your view, it's going to change you. You change your mindset, it's going to change what you do. Amen. Would you stand I need to think about cats or something. Hold on. If you like cats, we'll pray for you. Because God did not make them. That's a post-fall creation. That's not. There's nothing. There's nothing redemptive about a stupid cat. I'm just to let you know. And I don't. I don't want to drive through this on this day and not acknowledge the fact that the reality of Father's Day for some of us can be very painful. I had world's greatest dad. Amazing dad. But I know some of you don't even talk to your dad. Maybe you don't even know who your dad is. So this idea of like God encouraging you like a father to to finish what he's put in front of you, you, it doesn't even compute, because you you didn't ever run a triathlon and have your dad holler down at you. And I just want to say, your pain is real, and I'm so sorry. But what you feel does not have to be forever. Because there's a Father in heaven, and he is amazing. It telling our hearts what they need to hear when we feel like we don't have any gas, when we feel like we want to give up. And so we want to respond this morning by just creating space for people to encounter the heart of God, to encounter Jesus, the good Father, the Father that's not mad at you, the Father that doesn't shame you, the Father that doesn't reiterate the guilt and the thoughts of wanting to give up over you but speaks opposite truth over you It says you're going to make it you have what you need the old is gone the new has come you aren't who you were you're who I see you as free clean so if my leaders can make their way forward my life group leaders the people that pray for people we want to respond We want to create space. Come on up, leaders. I think there's going to need to be some ministry. We want to create space where we can respond to the heart of God. So if if God's doing something in you and you need somebody to pray for you because your mind needs to be reset. You need to understand that you're not who you were, that God's made you new. The old has gone and the new has come. Come on up. Make your way up here. If you're older and the only person up here is 27, don't worry, God's older than you. I promise you. But I know this, is that God does not want our hearts to come to just leave this place the same way they came in. But he wants to change our mindset. So I'm gonna pray. Jesus, would you come? God, would you come and would you begin to soften our hearts to be able to hear you from heaven cheering us on, seeing you in the middle of the fight, in the middle of the pain, to recharge us, to give us what we need, to fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit in our weakness, to see you be strong. And so, God, right now I'm asking that you would fill this place with your glory and grace. And, God, this would be a safe place and that that that, that many people would experience the, the power of a changed mind set set your mind on things above